Hello, City Hope. Everybody's looking good this October weekend. It's great to see you with us this weekend. I want to say hello to Mobile, Foley, Baymanette, Holman Campus. Can we give those guys a big welcome to the weekend? <clears throat> I mentioned last weekend Merry Christmas Gulf Coast is coming up. It will be the first weekend of December this year. And uh, if you're not familiar with that event, we've been doing that for about 13 years, and it keeps enlarging. This year, we're going to tweak it a little bit. Next weekend, you'll hear more about that and what we're doing. You can go on our website and check out our sign-up for Merry Christmas Gulf Coast, but it's right around the corner, so I uh, just want to keep it in front of you, and they're going to give you a lot of great details of the, the way we're going to improve uh, what we do on that weekend, Okay. Now, uh, if you have your Bible, your device, you can go to the book of John. I'm going to start in 14. We'll move around a little bit in that book. But as you know, we just finished the Stronger series. Today we're going to begin a new series on the Holy Spirit. Before I do, I want to read an email uh, I received. Uh, Thanks for the Stronger series. I have started so many things from the series to become stronger. You know, we listed all these things. I feel like now I understand the way to achieve inner strength is to always finish what you start. That's a good idea, right? Finish what you start, yeah. It's definitely working for me. I made a new decision to always finish things I start, and I think I'm well on my way to achieving new inner strength. In fact, here are some of the things I finished today. Two bags of potato chips. (laughs) One box of Oreo cookies. And a slice of strawberry cheesecake. I'm not really sure that's what we're talking about, but uh, they go on and say, I think this is really working because I'm feeling so much better already. (laughs) So uh, anyway, that's, uh, I I know the campus pastor just built you up with Stronger and I just kind of deflated a little bit, but anyway, in fun. The title of the new series is My Best Friend. You can probably remember in high school, you had a best friend. Maybe after high school, you you separated, you get to college, you meet someone else, you develop another best friend. And maybe now you're in the workplace, you have a family, and you have a best friend that's in your life now. At any season of life, a best friend is simply someone you like spending time with, talking to. Eventually, you listen to them more than other people because they're your best friend. Well, obviously on this earth... My human best friend is my wife, Jerry. Uh, I spend more time with her. I talk to her more than anybody else, and eventually I learned to listen to her. <laughs> I just took like 40-something years, yeah. But anyway. But the Holy Spirit has become my spiritual, my inner best friend. And we're going to talk about my best friend, the Holy Spirit. Now, I ask you to turn to John 14. Before we read that text, let me kind of give you the setting of what's going on because what you need to understand is in the book of John in chapter 14, 15, 16, that all happens at the Last Supper. In John 13, this is where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. And then in John 14, 15, 16, this happens after Judas leaves. Now, it's amazing. He washes the feet. The creator of the universe washes the feet of human beings of his disciples and even more so as he washed the feet of a person who's going to betray him and loved him the same way and served him the same way so he washes the disciples feet judas leaves and then for three chapters this is all going on at the last supper and remember this is the morning 
the evening before the morning that he's crucified. At 9 a.m. on the next morning, he's going to be crucified. And what we're going to read happened about 9 or 10 p.m. the night before. So you're only looking at a 10 to 12-hour time span. So when you read John 14, Judas is allowed. He starts off and he, and he begins saying this to his disciples, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled because there, there's a lot of things going to happen in the next 24 hours. He said, I'm going away. I'll come back. And then he begins to tell them things about the Holy Spirit. He begins to have conversation about the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're going to pick up in verse 16, chapter 14. And I want to look at the first six words. And he said, I pray the Father. Now, that's a little strange talk. And you just run by it. You think, well, that's the translation from the uh, old King James to the new. And that's a little. No, here, here's what I want you to see. The word there for pray is not the normal Greek word used for pray. It's, it's a very rare Greek word. It literally means ask. And so other times in the New Testament, it's in, in a different translation, it may be translated ask already for you. And the reason I'm telling you this is here's what he's saying. I will ask the Father. So verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Notice the word helper. You're, you're going to see it four times. That's the first one. It's another name for the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, the Holy Spirit, but you know him. Now the disciples are listening. No, you already know him. He dwells with you and he will be in you. He dwells with you, but he's going to be in you. In other words, you're, you're never going to be alone. I'm going to leave. I'll be back one day, but while I'm gone, you will never be alone. Now, Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, there's a second time, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things and then bring to remembrance all the things that I've said to you. I've been with you for a little over three years. All the things that I've said, he's going to bring those to your remembrance and he's going to teach you all things. In John chapter 15, verse 26, but when the helper comes whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He's going to glorify my name. He's going to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In John 16 and 12, he said, I still have many things to say to you. This is the Last Supper. i got a lot of stuff to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He, he's about to go to the cross in the morning. Verse 13, however, when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and he will tell you things to come. In other words, he'll tell you the future. He will instill and speak to you and give you insight into the future. Now, these verses are absolutely incredible. And they're talking about a helper that is to come. I pointed it out that there's, it's four times there. And, and the reason I did that is because that word's only in the Bible five times. We just read four of them. And the Greek word is parakletos. Now, you may have heard people teach on paraclete. That's not the same word. This is parakletos. And, 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 it, and it's a different word. And I want you to see it because it's, it's, it, he, he's talking about a specific name for the Holy Spirit, parakletos. It means a counselor. It means uh, an intercessor. It means an advocate. But it also translates, and this translation comes from the Old Testament, it also translates with a word that we're very familiar with, the comforter. 
You, you, we, we sang songs, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Well, when, when he's saying, when I leave, the Comforter will come. Now, you should be able to relate to this because you probably have something in your home that's called a Comforter. Now, years and years and years ago, uh, Jerry and I have been married 42 years, uh, we were married. She came and said, I want to buy a new Comforter. So this is what I thought I heard her say. So she knew what she said. She didn't know how I heard. I know what I say up here. I just don't know how you hear. Okay. So I heard this. I'm going to buy a new bedspread. What I didn't realize was I'd have to get a second mortgage to get a comforter. <laughs> so after the shock of the cost, we bought one. A few days later, I come home from work. She says, come see the new comforter. Come in the bedroom, look at the comforter. Wow, it's beautiful. It's thick. It's nice. So, you know, it's incredible. So after dinner, we watch TV. It's time to go to bed. So we walk into the bedroom, and someone has stolen our comforter. It's not there. Now, ladies, you know where I'm going with this. But all the guys are saying, who broke into your house and stole the comforter? <laughs> she had taken it off and put it somewhere else, put the bedspread back on the bed. Well, where, where's the new comforter? And, and see, ladies, you, you know this, but we don't. She said, that comforter is not for use. It's for looks. I have since found out that we have many things in our home that are not for use. <laughs> we have towels that you can use, but I can't. <laughs> I can remember, it's amazing how women can say certain things to you and the little boy comes out and you feel like a little boy. I can remember once, once, I got out of the shower and I grabbed one of those plush towels that you're not supposed to grab. I grabbed it, started drying off, and she comes through and she says, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm drying off. Remember, you feel like a little boy. What were you thinking? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm wet, I'm naked, there's a towel. <laughs> I'm just as shocked as you are. <laughs> Maybe I should have used paper towels. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know about your house, but in our house, we have silverware and china that we can't use unless you come to dinner. <laughs> We've had them for years, but unless you come to dinner, we can't use them. So here, I, I found out there are things in the house that are not for use. They're there for looks. But think about the statement she made. That comforter is not for use. It's for looks. How many believers have a comforter that's not for use but just for looks? But in this message, I'm telling you that the comforter is for use, not for looks. He's for use. Most of us have been looking at things that we think is the comforter, the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you the comforter is for use, not for looks. So I want to show you three ways. Here's the first one. He is my helper. He helps me know what to say, when to say it. He even tells me things to say. 
You've probably had it happen to you. Someone comes up, you know, they're talking, and they start sharing with you their problem, this situation, and it's like in your mind you're thinking, man, I have no idea what to tell them, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just puts a thought in your mind, and you just kind of share it with them. You don't say, well, thus saith the Holy Spirit. You just kind of share the thought, and, and that person says, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear. See, the Holy Spirit tells you exactly what you need to say, and then sometimes he tells you what not to say. You ever had that thought? You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say that. And what do you do? <laughs> you say it. <laughs> that happens a lot in marriage. All right? You come home from work, your wife's had a tough day, and you start to say something, and the Holy Spirit in his small, still voice says, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> I would, in fact, just take her out to dinner. It'd be a good time to do that. So you have to learn to listen to the voice because he's our helper. In John 16, I think Jesus describes how the Holy, Holy Spirit helps us. And I want to show you this because there are three ways in John 16, verse 8. Look at this. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict. Everybody knows that word, right? He'll convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment of sin because they did not listen to me. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you of a sin, that's, of sin, that's a good thing. He's not talking about convicting just believers. He's talking about before we're even a believer, before we're saved. And he says he's going to convict the world. It doesn't say here he is going to convict just believers, but he's going to convict everybody in the world, believers, unbelievers. Why? Because they don't believe in me. And, and here's what he means. Before you can ever get saved, you have to be convicted that you need a Savior. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I mean, and, and, and listen, you, you don't have to be in church to get saved. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you, you don't have to die in a funeral home. I mean, it may be more convenient, but you don't have to die in a funeral home to die. You don't have to be in church to be saved. There's nothing about that. It can be anywhere, anywhere that the Holy Spirit's dealing with you and talking to you and convincing you, hey, you, you, you need a Savior. And listen, you may not remember the place where you gave your life to Christ, but you should be able to remember the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's that conviction that leads you to Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's his first job, to convict me of sin, not only to make me feel bad, but so that I will look to a Savior to believe in and get saved. John 16, 10. Of, he goes on in the whole thought process of this. He says, of righteousness, because I go to the Father and you, and you won't see me anymore. And the word righteousness, remember we talked about this in depth last week, means right standing with God. So, so listen, it, it doesn't say the Holy Spirit's going to convict us of righteous living and because, by, by the way, right standing with God leads to righteous living. And I believe in righteous living, but that's not what it says. It says he wants to convict me of righteousness, convict me of right standing with God. So he said, hey, I'm going to the Father. Jesus has gone to the Father. And if I believe in Jesus, I can be in right standing with God. I illustrated that last weekend. Now, I want you to take the word convict because it, it just has all kind of connotations. And I want to replace it with another word. And this word may help us understand it convince when the holy spirit convinces you of something he convinces you he wants to convince you yeah you're a sinner you, you need a savior yeah he wants to convince you you know what you're completely condemned without jesus and when you believe in jesus then he wants to convince you now you're in right standing with god 
So let me ask you a question, not a trick question. You can raise your hand. How many of you have ever been convicted of sin? Hold your hand up. Campuses, come on. Yeah. The Holy Spirit did that. Have you ever been convicted of righteousness, right standing? Well, if you have, that's a good conviction. But the next one is judgment, uh, John 16, 11, of judgments because the ruler of the world is judged. Here, here's what we miss out and, and, and why he wants to convict with judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. And let me tell you who the ruler of the world is at this time. Okay, it'll change, but at this time it's Satan. In John 12, 31, Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. That's future John 14, 30, Jesus said, I will no longer talk much with you for the rule of the world's coming has nothing in me. Do, do you know what the Holy Spirit wants to convince me about, to convict me about? That the ruler of the world, Satan, has been cast out and judged and doesn't have any authority in my life anymore because I'm in right standing with God. And, and, and here's how we've taken that in the church world, and we've kind of read that passage like this, or maybe we paraphrased it this way, and we say, well, you know the Holy Spirit's come. You know why he's come? He's come to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You know that's the Holy Spirit's job, right? He's here to convict you that you're a sinner, and you're not living right, and God is ticked off at you, and he's going to get you. That, that's kind of the message that's gone across. That is not the Holy Spirit's job. His job is to convict me that I am a sinner without Jesus, but once I accept him, I'm in right standing with God, and now that I'm in right standing with God, Satan has no authority over me, and that's what he wants to convince me of, so that makes him a very good helper. Are you with me? Okay, here's number two. He's my friend. I'm going to try not to be mean. I'm, I'm, I have no intention of being mean, okay? So if this comes across mean, forgive me. He's my friend. He's not weird. Think about this. Don't you think that Satan has tried to make most of us believe the Holy Spirit is weird? Most people, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, the walls kind of go up, kind of a little bit of a reluctancy. And here's why, because most of us have seen weird examples. We've seen people do and say weird things by acting weirdly. And then they cap it off and say, well, the Holy Spirit causes me to act that way. That is not the Holy Spirit. You're just a weird person. <laughs> You'd be weird without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not weird. I know him very well. He is not weird. Now, I told you, and you've heard me say a lot about growing up. I grew up, I grew up in a traditional Pentecostal church. So as a 16, 18-year-old, I'm growing up, and I'm hearing all this stuff, and I'm watching people, and I'm watching people in the church and all that, and I, and I just put together in my mind, okay, there's two groups of people in this church that talk about the Holy Spirit, okay? And some of you will get this, some of you won't. There, there's one group, they talk about the Holy Spirit, and they don't wear any makeup. And then there's another group, they talk about the Holy Spirit, but they wear too much makeup. So if I'm just a normal person, and people say, hey, you need the Holy Spirit, okay, well, do I want to follow the group that doesn't wear makeup or the one that wears too much makeup? That's not the Holy Spirit. And I'm being facetious, I know. Or then we say, I, oh, I believe in the Holy Spirit, but we need the Holy Spirit in limited doses. Why? Well, because he can get a little wild. No, 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 no. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's people. He's kind. He's sensitive. He's, he's loving. He's a gentleman. He's my best friend. And listen, here's where this started. It started in the late 1800s. 
when the Holy Spirit was restored to the church in America. Started in California, in a little church. And this is what I believe. I believe when it was reborn, Satan was afraid. Afraid of what? Of the Holy Spirit. Because when the church in the book of Acts received the Holy Spirit, they turned the world upside down for Jesus. I believe Satan was afraid, and I think the first thing he started thinking is, okay, I need to make this look like it belongs to weird people only. And I want to make it controversial and argumentative, and I want to have debates. So here all these denominations are birthed out of this movement, four in particular that are in the Pentecostal ranks. And, 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 and listen to what a couple, I'm going to give you a couple of their beliefs. I'm not going to tell you who they are. But, but they believe about the Holy Spirit that the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is one gift. The other one says they believe in the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one, one gift. And so here, here's how I see it. Now, remember, I'm, 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 I'm cut my teeth in all this. So, but here's what I think. I think the word evidence, and, and by the way, that's not in the Scriptures. I think the word evidence came in. It was a bad thing. Because here's what I don't like about that word, and I grew up with this. Evidence. It's the evidence. One gift. The gift of tongues. One evidence. It says that you can judge whether I have the Holy Spirit or not. You have this? Oh, no. Well, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You have this? yet? Well, you have the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't think that's right. And the other thing I don't like about the word evidence, I think it produces pride. Because I do have it, you don't have it, and I can be used at this level, you can't be used, and I've got this and that. So instead of the word evidence, I think it would be better to use the word benefits. Because, watch, stay with me, because the benefits of the Holy Spirit, I, I personally believe it's not just one gift. And I think the enemy intentionally pushed and drove the emphasis on one gift. And I don't think it's just one gift. And, and, and so I'm going to spend more time in, the, in this series, in detail on this during the series. But right now, let, let me show you the four benefits of the friendship of the Holy Spirit. Four benefits, okay? Here they are. Number one, power. Scripture says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Number two, love. In, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, in the middle of the chapter 13, we call the love chapter. And Paul says basically, and in and, and 12 and 14, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in and, and 12 and 14, uh, you know, in the middle, Paul's saying in 13, it doesn't matter how many gifts you have if you don't have love. And how many angry, spirit-filled people have I seen that had no love, but they got all of this power, supposedly. And then here's the other benefit of the friendship is fruit. And, and listen to me, fruit of the Spirit is the personality of God. Fruit of the Spirit is when you get closer to God, that fruit gets in your personality. And then there are gifts, and there are nine gifts, and we'll talk about those in this series. Now, that's not an order. You can reverse the order, whatever you want to do. But my point is, is that when a person is full of the Holy Spirit, not only do they have gifts, and not only do they have fruit, but they have love and they have power. So why just limit this to one thing? I think the enemy's plan is so that it's overemphasized and people are a little, uh, a little cautious about this whole thing because they've seen so many things that are weird. I do believe that that one is a benefit of the Holy Spirit. I do believe in it. And, 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 and I believe, as Paul said, I do it more than all of you, and I wish all of you did it. And I'm talking about praying in a prayer language. So we're going to talk about that, but my point is don't let an abuse or a misuse of the gifts cause you to shy away from a full experience of, in the, of the Holy Spirit and walking daily with the Holy Spirit because you really can't live this Christian life successfully without Him. So He's my helper, He's my friend. Number three, He's my God. He's God. Maybe you were trained, and listen, 
I'm, I'm getting this because of pastoring all these years. I hear people say things like this. This is where I'm getting. If, you're if you were trained in a church that did not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, you may not see the Holy Spirit as God. But the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And there are verses in the Bible, we've already read a couple of them, we'll reread a couple, that show the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that verse. For instance, John 14, 16, and I, Jesus, will pray to the Father, the Father, he'll give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. There are all three. There's the Trinity. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus, that's the Trinity again. Now let's look at some we haven't even read. Luke 3, 22, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him and a voice from heaven which said, there's the Father, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well, speak, I'm well pleased. So there's the Spirit, there's the Son, and there's the Father. Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. And you may be listening to me and thinking, okay, I know the Holy Spirit is God. Why are, you, why are you drilling this down? Why are you harping on this? Because you may still have a little misperception because of your upbringing. Okay? Because we have people here now. We've had people here for years. And I hear their upbringing and how they're taught and how, how afraid and, and, and intimidated they are about this whole Holy Spirit. And, here's, and, and I could give you example after example, but let me just take it to the bottom line. Pastors or teachers say things like this to people that are being raised up in a church. Well, you know, hey, listen, you just need to watch out for people who talk about the Holy Spirit. Be, be careful around that church. Those, that church that believes in the Holy Spirit, be, be careful around that bunch. You said, that happens today? Oh, it happens today, <laughs> big time. It really does. So here's my question for you, and answer this out loud. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. I, I didn't hear you. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. Okay, then let me, let me just tell you what that pastor, that teacher is telling people in their church. When they listen to them, they're, they're basically saying, watch out for people who talk about God. Listen to me. That is so screwed up. I should have said messed up, but no, it's screwed up. And you see, that offends me what we, that we think and talk about the Holy Spirit that way, that he's weird, he's strange. Don't talk about the Holy Spirit. And, and, and understand it, watch, understand it, I think it's Satan that has caused us to act this way toward the Holy Spirit by all the things he's implemented over the last 120, 140 years, and, and, and it's, it's to this place where some people accept it and then some people don't. So let, let, let me show you, I want to end with this. Let me show you how valuable the Holy Spirit is, and let me show you how much at work he's in. So what I'm going to read you now are, really is scriptures that I've just paraphrased, but listen to what he does. Listen to his job description. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us and through us on earth. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit intercedes to him for us. The Holy Spirit calls and qualifies every minister for the work of ministry. The Holy Spirit hears, speaks, teaches, and guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ and reveals Christ to us and brings all of the Christ's words to our remembrance. The Holy Spirit shows us things to come, shows us the deep things of God, searches all things and reveals all things. And wherever the Holy Spirit is, there's liberty. Oh, and the writers of the Bible spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And we're warned not to grieve the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit. Oh, and the sin 
against the Holy Spirit that's unpardonable, and I'm going to talk about that in that series because nobody listening to me is guilty of that, okay? But the enemy will imply that and lie to you. I'll tell you what that looks like later on. But the sin against the Holy Spirit that's unpardonable because sin against him is against the only one that can reveal the sin to us whereby we are saved. So if that sin takes place, what it's doing is it's separating you from the only thing that can get you to God, and that's the Holy Spirit. And unless a man is born of spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. We're, con we're convicted by him. We're born again by him. We are led by him. We are filled by with him. We are sealed by him. The Holy Spirit is God. And here's what I want to ask you. What internally, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Where are you in relationship with the Holy Spirit? Are you a little intimidated? Are you really shocked that we believe in the Holy Spirit here? Because what you feel here and sense here, it is the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Have you seen negative examples, misuses, or abuses? Or maybe you're sitting here and the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your sin and, you're, and, and, you're, and he's not doing it just to make you feel bad. He's, con he's wanting to convince you that you need to believe in Jesus. And if you're here today and you're not sure when you die, if you'll go to heaven, we want to pray for you. We want to help you because Jesus has the power to change your life and it's the Holy Spirit that leads us to Jesus. I mean, can you see now if part of the body of Christ in our country is missing out on this and we've shut him out? Can you see what we're missing? You see his job description and what he's doing in our lives? So if you're here today at any of the campuses and you need to give your life to God, you need to pursue the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray for you. And by the way, the Holy Spirit, through all seasons of your life, can be your best friend. And you'll like spending time with him and talking to him and listening to him. He's got some incredible wisdom and direction for the future waiting for you. So I want to pray for you in just a minute. I want to end this service a little differently. Actually, even around the, around the altar areas, I'm going to have two different areas. And if you're here and you realize that God is, the Holy Spirit's convicting you and you, you need God and he's not your Savior, there'll be a place for you to come. Someone wants to pray with you. Or maybe you realize, you know what, I, I need to I need to tear down the walls of, of fear and intimidation about the Holy Spirit. I need to start my journey and make him my best friend. We want to pray for you with that also. Everybody good? Can you see all the benefits of the Holy Spirit being your best friend? The power, the love, the gifts, the fruit. What's it all for? For us to live successful lives here. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your Holy Spirit, that you sent him here, not to just be on the earth, but to be in us. And Lord, I pray that any intimidation, any wrong insight about the Holy Spirit has been dismantled today. And I ask you, Lord, to speak to those that have been convicted by the Spirit 
to seek for a Savior. And I ask you, Lord, to speak to those who realize, I really need a friendship like that. And let both groups step out in faith and come for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.